I wasn't planning on doing any videos today, but just watching what I've just watched in the college football playoff, I just had to come and do something and react to that. CJ Stroud, what a fantastic performance. I think what we've just seen from him, even though Ohio State lost in the end because of that missed field goal, just that was absolutely sensational from CJ Stroud. And we need to acknowledge how good he was there. I wrote on the blog a couple of days ago that people are underrating this quarterback class, and that was never proven to be more accurate than what we saw from Stroud today. And if there are any Seahawks fans out there saying that we shouldn't be considering drafting a quarterback with that Denver Broncos pick, you need to you need to review that opinion very, very quickly. It has to be a consideration because the impact that CJ Stroud had on that game is incomparable to the impact that Jalen Carter had. And I'm going to come back to him because that was not good from him today. But I want to stick with the positive first. CJ Stroud was unbelievable. He th he's always thrown the prettiest passes. You know, I've been doing the blog since 2008. I have not seen a quarterback throw prettier passes than CJ Stroud. The touch that he has on deep throws, the touch on those sort of little intermediate when he has to fit the ball in between two defenders on the sideline, little things like that. When he's on the run, he, he, I don't think I've ever seen a quarterback who throws with as much touch as CJ Stroud when he's on the run, which is a really difficult skill to do. Fantastic. And the big problem with Stroud was always, can he play outside of the system? You know, when the system breaks down a little bit, if the read isn't there, if he has to adjust, can, can he make things happen? And what did he show today? He was improvising in the pocket. He was getting out of the pocket when he had to sort of step away from pressure, extend a play, keep his eyes downfield, throw with accuracy. He was doing it. That was a majestic performance. Wasn't just his passing and his throwing that was unbelievable as well. When he had to get out of the pocket and scramble and make a big run, he was doing it. And he deserved on that final drive when he had that massive run to lead his team on a game-winning drive and for that kick to go through. That was an unbelievable performance. And look, people say, oh, overreacting to, to one game. I've watched every single game that CJ Stroud's ever played. I've watched every game that Anthony Richardson and Will Levis and Bryce Young have ever played. I've watched these guys in every single game. That was unbelievable. And it deserves to be acknowledged as unbelievable. And I can remember, what was that, a couple of years ago now, when Justin Fields did exactly the same thing against Clemson and we had a you know the same kind of reaction and people on Twitter, oh, Justin Fields is going to be the number one overall pick. What a performance by Justin Fields. Now, this was different. This was different. This was the, the technical level that CJ Stroud shows is, is totally different to Justin Fields, who was always an amazing athlete, who always had a decent arm, but his, his technique, his mechanics were always dreadful and still are to an extent. You know, his best value in Chicago and he's had a very good year is as a creative playmaking runner at the minute. With CJ Stroud, what he showed today is, yeah, he can get out of the pocket and make some plays and he can extend plays and he can be useful with his legs. But as a passer, wow. And he can play and look with a bit more time and experience, he can play, you know, out of structure when it's not the system that's just creating for him. He showed that he can do that today. This was a massive performance from him. And I think a bit of a statement. And if I'm the Houston Texans with that number one overall pick, whew, you know, I'm seriously considering, based on what we've seen today, taking him with a first overall pick, because that was absolutely fantastic. And I have been a little bit critical of Stroud at times, and deservedly so, but that, he deserves all the praise that is coming his way. And I'm just a little bit disappointed that we don't get to see him match up against TCU 
in the in the uh, in the playoff final next week because that was a, a tremendous performance. And, and this is the thing: is that when we talk about quarterbacks, you know, the, the, there's a reason why this is always considered the most important position in the league. And the Seahawks have kind of got into this situation where if you'd have said to anybody in August, what are they going to do in the draft if they end up with like a top five pick? Quarterback, undoubtedly so. Geno Smith has a really good season and he has had a really good season. He's not been as good in the second half of the season, but was brilliant, obviously, in the first half. And now we're sort of sitting here going, no, no, you know, or some people are. Do not even consider drafting a quarterback. What you've got to do is pay Geno Smith the same salary that Russell Wilson was essentially on when he was traded, which is in the 30 to $35 million a year mark, lose all the benefits of having moved on from Wilson financially, invest in Geno Smith, who turns 33 in October for, for many years, and draft a defender. That's what they need to do. And then what happens if Geno Smith turns back into Geno Smith within 12 months? you've just blown the chance of a lifetime, potentially, to get a really good quarterback. If CJ Stroud's on the board and he's playing like that, you may live to regret that. Just a quick reminder. Solomon Thomas, drafted in 2017, third overall by the San Francisco 49ers, who didn't even scout quarterbacks. That's been admitted. They didn't even look at the quarterbacks that year. That has been confessed. Why? Because they were waiting for Kirk Cousins to become a free agent. And then, and then they couldn't wait because they kept losing games. So they traded for Jimmy Garoppolo that year, later that year. In the 2017 draft, they didn't scout Patrick Mahomes and Sean Watson. And they took Solomon Thomas at number three. Solomon Thomas, by the way, was fantastic. Impactful, dynamic, looked a lot like a, ooh, he, he could be an Aaron Donald-type interior rusher. That's why they took him third overall, because they thought he was going to be that. And he was an epic bust, even though he played really well in, at Stanford. And they passed on Mahomes and, and Deshaun Watson, who look, we kind of view Deshaun Watson differently these days, and rightly so. But up until all of that, had played well enough to, to have been considered with a number three overall pick and wasn't by the Niners. That should be a cautionary tale for Seahawks fans. By all means, petition for Will Anderson and Jalen Carter. That was a performance by CJ Stroud that should make you sit up and take notice and seriously consider thinking, maybe we just need to reassess this. Because you can keep Geno Smith and you can draft a quarterback. You can sit that quarterback and let them learn like Patrick Mahomes had the benefit of doing in Kansas City behind Alex Smith. And then you can have a bat on passing down the road. Could be after one year, could be after two. It doesn't have to be Geno Smith or a rookie drafted early. It can be both. Something to remember there. And listen, you ain't going to be hopefully picking in the top five again anytime soon. You have to consider it. On to Jalen Carter, because this is supposedly the, the player that most Seahawks fans, I think, want, along with Will Anderson. <laughs> I wrote on the blog after the SEC Championship game that I've got concerns about his conditioning because he looked knackered after one drive against LSU. And he had a second wind in that game, in fairness. He, you know, he looked knackered because it was one long drive and he looked shattered. And then he came back and he had a second wind. You've got to give him credit for that. In this game, he looked absolutely exhausted. He was blowing out of his arse, as we say in England. 
he was tired. And I've got a serious worry about his conditioning. And, and some of the stuff that's come up, you know, Tom McShay had that report on character concerns. It, it was about his work ethic and his, and his approach to it. I don't think he's, his conditioning's good enough. Now, do you want to draft someone in the top five and have to kick his ass every week to get his conditioning up? Is he even going to do that? Is he going to be receptive to that kind of coaching? Is he somebody who is naturally very talented, physically gifted, that he can perform at a high level without great conditioning in college? Is he going to be able to do that for 17 games and playoffs in the NFL? These are things you've got to remember. He was not impactful in this game. He had some disruptive plays. You've got to give him that. But he was not a game wrecker. He did not change the game. CJ Stroud changed the game. Nearly beat Georgia against the odds. Jalen Carter did not wreck this game. And at the end, when Stetson Bennett was in tears and the Georgia players breathed a sigh of relief and Kenny McIntosh was on there, you know, celebrating. What was Jalen Carter doing? After he'd finished breathing heavily, he waved off the Ohio State fans. And his coach went and grabbed him and gave him a bollocking. I'm sorry. I like Jalen Carter. He's a good player. People need a reality check. This, no. And, and we've got to remember with this is that he has six sacks in three years. And I like disruptive players. If you, th if you watch that today and think that the difference between the Seahawks defense being really bad and being good is inserting that Jalen Carter into the defensive line, I, I'm going to disagree with you there. And the game is what it is these days. It's Kansas City dueling with Buffalo. It's the Bengals and the Rams in the Super Bowl. <laughs> it's, it's the kind of football we've seen today in the two playoff semifinals. You've got to go toe-to-toe -to -toe sometimes. Doesn't mean that running the ball is not useful. Doesn't mean that great defense isn't really, really useful as well. Sometimes you've got to stand there and go toe-to-toe -to -toe in the passing game. And your big quarterbacks, they're very, very important. And people will wow, look at Brock Purdy. Yeah. Well, it, how many Kyle Shanahan offenses are out there? With How many Kyle Shanahans are out there to, to be able to run that offense is what I would say to that. So, um, for me, this was a pivotal moment in, in this whole draft process when a, a, I think a, a dose of reality has been delivered. And I am not anti going defensive line with that top pick. If they... You could see, you could even see if this if the Seahawks end up with the number three or the number four pick, the the, the quarterbacks might be gone, the defense, and, it, and look, and, and then you might, it might your mind might be made up by other teams and what they do before you pick. Because CJ Stroud might go first overall, and it's a moot point. He ain't going to be there for you. And then if maybe you 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 like the other quarterbacks, but you're picking fourth or whatever, they might not be there. So And likewise, the defenders might be gone, and then you might have to consider quarterback. So do you see what I mean? It's It, it could go either way. I'd just be open-minded about it, Seahawks fans. You know, people are arguing me on Twitter saying, you cannot possibly draft a quarterback. These quarterbacks are no good. Bryce Young's the only good quarterback. One guy told me my opinion was, I just hate the idea of a D-line being drafted, even though I've literally mocked Anderson and Carter to the Seahawks in my only two mock drafts so far. He then said that I I didn't want a quarterback. I, I wanted a quarterback to be drafted because I hated Geno Smith, even though I did a whole video on why I was absolutely wrong about Geno Smith. I mean, it, come on, Seahawks fans, let's be better than this. 
Got to keep an open mind. Quarterback should be a consideration with the top pick as well as defensive line. Simple as that. And today proved that. And I hope this is going to shift people's attitudes on that. Some other quick thoughts on the game. You know, some players that we've talked about a lot really stood out in this one. Cedric Van Pran, um, the centre at Georgia, is the best centre in the draft. Who's eligible for the draft. I don't know whether we, he will declare. Uh, I think if you win back-to-back -back national titles, then it, it would suggest maybe now the time is right. Strike while the iron's hot. It's not even close for me. I think he's clearly the best centre. I'm going to give him a fringe first-round grade in my updated horizontal board. He dominated in the trenches today. And the other, you know, the the other offensive lineman for Georgia didn't dominate. Cedric Van Pran Granger dominated in the trenches today. I thought that was a, a, a world-class performance from a centre. And if Seahawks fans want to root for a centre to be drafted, I would go with Cedric Van Pran, personally. Absolutely sensational. Chris Smith, the safety, who is a quick safety, who can cover deep, who can run to the sideline, who can make plays in coverage, who is very good. Um, in that sense, and in the scheme that the Seahawks are running, for what it's worth, and I'm not a big fan of the scheme, you need to be able to run around uh, at safety, and Chris Smith can do that. But boy, you can pack a punch. We saw that today. You know, some great tackle. He had a great tackle on Stover, which I think was the play that injured Stover, who had to leave the game, the, 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 the tight end Cade Stover. Uh, he had another huge hit in the game. You know, he can run and hit, and he can cover. So for me, I've been putting him in the second round range. Chris Smith... Fantastic player. Really, really good again today. Um, Dewan Jones, the Ohio State offensive tackle. I admit that I'm late on him. And I watched him really in the last sort of 10 days. I've really got stuck into his stuff. He's so good. He's huge. He's Hulk-like. I think he's a borderline first-round grade. I think he's a lot better than Paris Johnson Jr., who's the guy who's often mocked in the, like, the top 15. I don't see that at all. Dewan Jones, for me, is the better of the offensive tackles for Ohio State. And I think he's a superb player. Uh, Steel Chambers had a nice picking coverage, good anticipation on a Kenny McIntosh wheel route, uh, got his head round, made the pick. Um, he's going to be interesting to see how he tests because he was a player we earmarked at the start. He didn't quite have the season I think a lot of people expected, but still a good linebacker and the Seahawks could do with one of those and, and he could be a mid-range option for them. Um, Julian Fleming, the receiver at Ohio State, I don't know if he's going to return or not. I mean, they've got a lot of depth at receiver, so we'll see what he does, but nobody talks about him. He's very, very good. Kenny McIntosh, brilliant long run, should have given him the ball more. The turf bombs took him on that long run, but apart from that, you know, he's fantastic in the passing game. He's been called a you know, Banff um, by Kirby Smart's coach. I, I like everything about him. I've, I've got him in the second round. Um, disappointing to see Cade Stover leave with an injury and Darnell Washington leave with an injury as well. I mean, they, they are two of the better tight ends who are eligible for the draft, so we've got to keep an eye on that. Zach Harrison had a big tackle for a loss early in the game. He's got a presence, you know, he's not going to go early. There's, there's some inconsistency to his game, but he has got some skill as a defensive end that you might want to harness. On a more negative note, you know, Kelly Ringo, just, he, he, I've been writing about this all year. And, and like, people are mocking him in the top 10 still. He's been getting beat all season. You know, he gets beat deep. He gets beat on inside routes. He then makes a good play and everyone puts it on Twitter. He was getting beat again. He got beat by Marvin Harrison Jr. You know, no offence to, to Kelly Ringo on that because Harrison's a fantastic player, but... He just has to give up a DPI to, give up, to avoid giving up a huge play. And he gets beat on those little inside slants and everything like that. He just gets beat too much. And it's it's a it's a problem for me. And um, and for me, I'm not... I think in my last mock draft, I've been in the 20s. Uh, I, I just don't think he's going to go as high as some people think. So 
Great game. Um, it followed a, another, one of the most bizarre games that I think any of us will ever see between TCU and Michigan, where they just like one massive touchdown after another. Um, what I will say about this, because I, you know, I don't want to make this a massively long video. I don't think I've ever seen a more competitive team than that TCU team this year. They have battled and fought and scratched all year. Every game has been close for them. Every game. And they, on both sides of the ball, just leave everything out there. Everything. And they sweat and they bleed for their team. And it's just been a privilege to watch them as much as I have this year. Their defence does not have a star who's going to go in the top 10. But as a collective group, fantastic. They do have a very good receiver. They have a very good left guard. But it's not a, a star-studded offense either. Max Duggan, I cannot work out where he's going to go in the draft. It's very hard to sort of project what teams will think of him. What I will say, though, is I couldn't believe his performance in the Big 12 championship game. There was one drive near the end where he was, he was scrambling a lot and he was making plays. And he was exhausted halfway through that drive because he'd given everything. And he somehow managed to drag his body into the end zone to end that drive. And he looked like he was going to pass out through exhaustion. And they basically like had to carry him off the field. I've never seen a player give so much effort in a game before. It was heroic. And that's not over-egging it. He was absolutely heroic in that game. And he gives you absolutely everything. And I freaking like that. And you can't help but respect that. And some team is going to flip and love him because of his effort and his attitude and the fact that he leaves everything on the field. I don't know if he's good enough to be an NFL quarterback because this is a guy who lost the starting job at TCU at the start of the season and only ended up starting because the, the starter got injured. And he's come back and took him to the National Championship game. It's a great story. I don't know how high he's going to go, but man, what an effort. What an effort. Anyway, that's it. What a day. Looking forward to the National Championship already. Here's to two Denver Broncos defeats in the final two games. Hopefully the Seahawks will pick even higher than number three, but number three would be okay. Be open-minded on quarterbacks. SeahawksDraftBlog.com for more analysis. Don't forget to like the video. Leave a comment in the comment section. Let me know what you thought about the playoffs. Subscribe, please. Till next time. And next time will be the Instant Reaction Podcast to the Jets game. And if you are in the UK, you can listen to national radio coverage of the Seahawks versus the Jets. And I will be hosting that on Five Live Sports Extra. So, enjoy the rest of your weekend. Happy New Year. And I'll speak again soon. Bye for now. Bye.